and welcome to Inside Novak Work, episode 5, the podcast about all things dual universe and the people who craft it. I'm Nomad, committee manager, and your host today. This episode has been recorded on both sides of the Atlantic at the same time. With various people sick at the office, we had to get creative on how to proceed to record this episode. It's the magic of editing. I wish NQ Sesh a quick recovery. It was his turn to lose his voice this time. Anyway, we didn't want to be too long to answer to the questions from the community, so here we go. On this show today, you'll hear JC, founder, CEO, and creative director, an entropy game designer. We'll answer what we identified as the most recurring and pressing questions touching a broad variety of topics. Gameplay, of course, with building, mining, piloting, industry, and PvP, but also the client and server performances, the voxel tech, the server tech, etc. You got it, we're going to cover a lot of things again today, so sit down, relax, grab a snack and a cup of something you like to drink. Let's go. Hi, JC. Hi. Hi, Entropy. Hey guys, how's it going? So uh, we're here today to answer to uh, many questions from the community. And uh, we uh, wanted to start with uh, client server performances, um, you know, about the lag, the pending operations, etc. So about the server tech, first one, why are, uh, why are there so many pending operations and why is it so laggy? JC. Okay, so uh, yeah, pending operations is one aspect of the, the, the bugs we are currently ironing, ironing out. Um, why is it so? It's because we are constantly changing parts of the, the server tech. So once we do that, the, uh, usually what happens is that there is a, a moment where there are some regression, we have to fix something. So this is what we're doing at the moment. There's nothing uh, that we see that is um, in any way alarming that would be like uh, you know something that we puzzle that we don't know what to do about. So this is this is part of the things we are uh, currently fixing or that we are planning to fix uh, in the short term. So yes, we are perfectly aware of that. Uh, there's nothing really worrying, uh, but it's part of the you know the final touches we put to the server tech so that uh, it's going to work. Uh, our, our really our, our clear deadline for smoothing all these issues is the NDA lift. Right. So uh, I guess the next question is already kind of answered. Are the optimizations yet to come or do we need to buy a new gaming rig to play in the future? No, no. I mean, we, we, we still, you know, aim at, uh, uh, let's say, a middle range uh, gaming rig, not the entry level, probably not the cheapest one you can get. Definitely not a desktop uh, setup or something like that. But uh, you know, it, it wouldn't make a lot of sense from a business perspective to release a game that works only with the super expensive latest rig. So that's not what we are going to do. So no need to buy anything new. Uh, and the optimizations are going to come both on the client and on the server tech. And and they will, I mean, we will constantly optimize, of course, but there will be, uh, uh, we hope there will be a significant uh, boost by the time of the NDA. Okay, um, so the, the game, next question, the game is growing almost every day. Uh, how is it with the server tech? Do we get NQ-related events so we can stress test the server? Why does NQ not enforce mass tests uh, to test that the server tech, uh, you know, to t just test it for good? Yeah, well, we definitely are running tests already. And every time, you know, you, people log in uh, during the test sessions, these are test sessions. Uh, we are going to increase those tests and put more pressure through bots and also via the players, but also we might also hire some company to help us, you know, to stress by actual connections and so on. 
But definitely, this is something you know uh, we are going to. It's going going to cost. Uh, so we are going to do this once we are reasonably happy with the stabilization of the current you know modifications that we're talking about. So there are still pieces of the the technology that we update that we change. So until this is stabilized, um, there's no reason to really uh, start expensive, massive tests. Uh, but they, they will come, obviously, yes. Yeah, and maybe it's worth uh, also mentioning that we hired a dedicated person to work on that recently, and that it's really something we are investing in uh, for the future. Yeah, absolutely. To make sure that things are a bit more ironed. Yes, there's, uh, cool. there's someone who is dedicated to actually uh, develop all the technology for powerful bot testing. Uh, it's very difficult yeah. to create a bot that is, you know, really, uh, or I, I mean, as best as possible, um, reproducing the behavior of a normal player with yes. all this complexity variation. And there's also, you need to simulate things like um, the imperfection of the line. You have to create some, uh, um, you know, fake uh, packet loss and things like that so that you can really test. This is actually a very, very serious piece of technology in itself. And there's someone now who is working just on that. Yeah, right. And um, so uh, next question is more about uh, voxels and building. Um, why so many voxel loading problems? Uh, can we be sure that fixing those issues will not invalidate a wide number of blueprints as it already happened in the past? Okay, so the, the, the voxel loading problems are also part of the things that will get, uh, we hope, massive improvements. Uh, there's a completely different approach on the tech side for the, you know, what happens, you know, when, when you see things from a certain distance, uh, which currently is kind of, you know, providing this sort of melted uh, uh, appearance where you lose all the details. So we have things uh, in the making at the moment that could solve that and improve also in the in the same way could improve the performance. Uh, so all this is going to come. Uh, what I want to stress is that your uh, constructs and therefore the blueprints you make are extremely invariable. So even if we have to change something in the way things are encoded, the strong guarantee is that we are going to provide some. Uh, we are going to run you know some some upgrade uh, scripts on our side so that you can preserve uh, what you have done. Uh, there might be minor glitches because some things, you know, render a bit differently. Okay, that's kind of acceptable. You might have to iron out a few things, but definitely uh, we want to make sure that everything, I mean, all these incredible constructs that have been built already, uh, they are here to stay. Uh, we don't expect people just to start from scratch and rebuild everything. So this is very, very important. So, um you know, wiping out the blueprints, and um, you know, starting from zero is not an option. It's not going to happen. We're going to make everything we can to um, convert whatever has to be converted. And the voxel tech in itself getting more and more stable, there should be less and less need to, to change anything anyway. What I'm talking about, you know, about the long distance is the level of detail management. It has nothing to do with the way the voxels are encoded. So nothing to do with the blueprint. It has to do with the rendering. So these are different problems. Yeah, the, it's it's kind of tricky for us because what maybe we need to explain to our players that we have to manage. Um, there is a trade-off between the time they invested in the alpha tests and the amazing stuff they create, and that makes the, the value of Dual Universe in a way, and our own need of testing and refining stuff and, and all the operations we need to, to perform on the development perspective. So we always try to find a middle ground, and that's not an easy task. But like you said, we have transition scripts and everything, so... 
um, we will try to to be as um, you know as uh, performant as possible to to maintain what players uh, have already created and to also fit our development needs for the future. It's a tricky exercise. Yeah. Um, okay. Next uh, section of of questions more uh, gameplay related and and more building uh, related specifically uh, about voxel and building. Can we expect a voxel library to be available through game mechanics, or will we have to keep improvising entropy? Um, yeah, so the Voxel library is a feature that uh, we like and uh, we would like to have it. Um, I think the stage that we're out at today in development as we go into Alpha 3 and then a little bit later into Beta, uh, we have to be focused on finalizing sort of these big overarching pillars uh, to put, it on, you know, put in all the big stuff into the game and get the game up to a level of polish that we need to be able to be as successful as we can be. And then as we sort of start finishing, finishing out those big tasks, we can sort of start looking at um, uh, features like this. But this is something that we like. Uh, it's on our radar, and uh, and hopefully we can have it uh, maybe maybe as soon as beta, but no promises. Yeah, and the, the, I might add also that um, there's a simpler version of this uh, Voxel library. We call, we call it Voxel Elements, in a sense. Uh, you, you see the correspondence with the actual elements that we have in the game now. Uh, it would be just to have a list that you give names to those those things, and you 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 just uh, uh, you know pick them by name. Uh, that is probably the first thing we'll be able to do at some point. And then, of course, there is the feature we we all hope and expect to have, where you have a pre-visualization of the uh, the voxel element in the UI. You can actually see them. You could trade them. You could you could share them with uh, your organization, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this feature can get pretty complicated if you want to really push it where it should be. So, um, but the the easy version should not be such a big deal to to develop, and we will see when we can do it. I can't you know, guarantee any any release date for that, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something we want. We understand that it's fundamental so that you can actually build faster and uh, share your your expertise with other people and so on. And uh, yeah. Okay, uh, next one, still voxel related. Are there any plans to add a voxel vertex editor in order to directly manipulate voxels? If so, when? Entropy. Um, yeah, so this is actually something that's a little bit easier to do. It's something that we can almost uh, already do internally. Uh, so to me, this is something that if, you know, as soon as maybe after Alpha 3 or once we have a little bit of time and we're a bit less pressed for, uh, you know, finishing up the release, uh, I think this is something that we could probably do quite quickly. We like the idea, we like the feature, um, and uh, and I think we could do it, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, next one, it's a bit long, so bear with us. Um, when will we be available to link, connect, or merge cores so that they act as one build? Will we ever have a snap to type of core alignment system in place for all cores so building cities is easier? Are uh, NovaQuark in the process of creating a way to link cores together specifically, perhaps using the link tool, which will then create a mega construct idea to manage over both core ideas so that elements can interact between them? Also, is there um, are there any tools uh, being designed to help place and link cores together more effectively, such as a mega construct tool, Entropy? Um, yeah, so there's there's two parts to this question, so I'm going to take them one at a time. Yeah. Um, for anything regarding mega core units, linking core units, or merging core units, uh, right now the answer is no. Um, a lot of our infrastructure and a lot of our gameplay systems sort of rely on the core unit. It's, it's sort of one of the important things that we base a lot of our systems on, and it's it's 
sort of this big universal truth that's kind of hard to break. Um, that doesn't mean that we can never sort of look at these sorts of systems where you can merge uh, these core units, but as of right now, this is not a plan that we have. Um, the second part, however, in regards to alignment and being able to have an easier time to uh, put various core units you know, next to each other and having, them, having the voxel grids be aligned to each other, that is something that's important. Uh, that is something that we want to look into and we want to make sure that um, alignment and, and you know, building cities, as you said, and, and putting core units between them and having, the be, having them be level on the same voxel grid, uh, that's important and that's something that we want to look at and do fairly rapidly. Yeah, maybe maybe a word of um, you know explanation on the the tech reasons why you could not build arbitrarily big stuff, um, especially for dynamic constructs. In fact, uh, the problem is the physics uh, that you need to sort of if you want to have. When I say physics, I mean collisions. Uh, if you want to have something precise that makes sense, you need to instantiate things that are far away when it's really really big, and that's exactly what we don't want to do. That's where we want to actually. Uh, reduce the level of details and manage the you know the the load uh, based on that. So there, there's a there's a contradiction between optimization and the fact that you have huge things that could move. That's one limit. Um, the other limit, for example, on the the elements you could reach and why you cannot actually uh, chain twenty constructs and be able to talk to any elements over those those twenty constructs is that again here uh, we are going to phase out elements that are too far away. So there are, there are some limits to how far you could actually reach, or you would have to abandon this optimization and start to have all the elements available or to be able to designate those that you want to be able to see from afar, et cetera, et cetera. It's a complicated question that is, at the end of the day, it's related to how we can load balance everything and how we can make things scale. Uh, so th th there will be less constraints on the sheer size of static constructs in terms of, you know, the, the size, the, the, the visual size they have. But being able to reach an element that is potentially one kilometer away, uh, that raises all sorts of issues that I just mentioned. So this, this is, these are the reasons why things are not so easy to do and why we, why we have to put some limits uh, at some point. Doesn't mean we cannot overcome those limits in the future. But this enters into the realm of almost like R&D. Uh, definitely, that's not the focus we have at the moment. Yeah, indeed. Um, okay, next question. Uh, are we getting some form of construct-to-construct -construct attachment, like with connectors, and that a transfer unit is uh, uh, able to empty or fill the ship, JC? Okay, so um, I'm not going to talk about construct attachment in the sense of what I just said before. So it's, it's covered by, by what we just said before, but... Um, definitely uh, docking units should be a thing. I don't know when they're going to be done, but they are, in fact, relatively easy to do because they could be, in the first uh, implementation, they could be done on the client side only. It's just a way to move your ship. And, and so it could be something that comes, and that's something we want, so that you have a sort of a formal way to, uh, you know, dock yourself to a station and the station has a formal way to uh, uh, declare some parking areas that are available. And your ship can actually scan for available areas that are not overlapping and just dock there. So this is something that, that would make it uh, easier to dock and dock and go from station to station, which is something you do a lot, I think, um, when, when the game will be launched uh, fully. So this, this is the thing we, we're looking at. Um, and about the fact that you can empty or fill a ship or at least a fuel tank, 
This is also something that we will need at some point, I think, because uh, if you have a, a huge, uh, uh, let's say, fuel station in space and you have like tens of ships around, it, it would be probably a little bit uh, boring to go transport all the fuel in and out physically, I mean, with, with your inventory or with a transport ship or something. So it would probably be a good idea at some point that you can remotely transfer uh, with a short distance, I mean, with some limits and so on. Um, but this is not, I mean, it's not even at the stage of uh, game design. So we are not actually planning that in the short term, but it's definitely an interesting idea that, that uh, we're going to you know, look, look into at some point. To, to streamline, yeah, we're you know, talking make it about easier it, yeah. to, to have those huge uh, fuel stations in space that can be used by thousands of people in, in a day, um, and w without cluttering the, you know, the the, uh, the line basically by having uh, players needing like thirty minutes to just do the basic things of refueling. Mm. Right. Um, next question: uh, Are we? Uh, have you considered? Sorry, have you considered only having one core type? Uh, it would make things simpler, and it would not artificially restrict players' choices. If they want it to be static, then they leave it on one spot or uh, on the planet or in space. If they want it to be mobile, they put engines on it. Fuel, mass, power, etc. are all natural restrictions that will uh, balance these player choices. Entropy? Um, yeah, so it's interesting that you talk about these restrictions. I think there's a, there's a balance to be had between all the freedom that we give to players and, you know, I think for the most part, we do a pretty good job of giving the players a lot of freedom with a lot of what they can do. Uh, but sometimes we just need a little bit of control to be able to balance out the certain things. Um, and so the reason, one of the main reasons from the gameplay side that we have uh, multiple core units is that it allows us to play a little bit with those restrictions and, and apply a couple rules when we need them. This isn't something that we're interested in spamming. We don't want to uh, overly restrict everything. And you know that's not our interest. That's not the direction that we go in. But when we need to, and when we need it for balance reasons, or when we need it to, you know, prevent something from fundamentally breaking the game, uh, you know, whether it be from balance perspective or from, you know, an overarching mechanics perspective, then we have those uh, that access to be able to put in those rules, um, and, and it allows us to do some some cool stuff too, right? So, uh, you know, maybe a, a simple example off the top of my head, right? But let's talk about storage, right? Um, let's say that, for example, we wanted to uh, make it easy to store things on a, a, a static construct, but not on a dynamic construct. So a part of that, of course, is handled by, uh, you know, the mass and the fact that you have to move things around, that you have to have the required engines and all that. And all that is true. But sometimes in certain situations, that's not going to be enough. And maybe players are going to be complaining about, oh, we need more storage on our uh, statics. Like we have so much stuff where, you know, as the game grows bigger, as organizations grows bigger, um, we're going to need maybe more storage. And so something that we could do is have static only containers that have a lot more volume. Um, and that would allow us to sort of fix those sorts of issues. Now, that particular example may or may not apply today, but that's the sort of things, especially as we go into PvP, as we go into construct versus construct combat and, and you know, territory control and all that sort of stuff. Um, it, it gives us paths when we need it to be able to tweak certain things and put in some rules uh, so that everything sort of just works. Yeah, and they, 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 we can also bounce to what I just said before about the difference between dynamic and static. Uh, it's highly possible that uh, we, we are able to extend the size of the max core units in static 
because it doesn't move and we we won't have <coughs> sorry won't have that much uh, freedom for the dynamic because of the physics and collision and so on so there are different things in fact and from a gameplay or a tech perspective uh it's important that we can distinguish them Okay, moving on. Uh, will you fix the building zone for core units missing one voxel on three sides, Entropy? Yeah, so this is actually interesting. I, I had to dig deep a little bit uh, a little bit for this one and talk to uh, the voxel guys and some of the client guys. Um, this is not, so I'll be, I'll be clear straight up. There's a reason why that voxel is missing. It's not, we, we didn't just forget it. Um, there's a whole bunch of technical, you know, reasons for why that voxel is missing and they seem to be uh, legitimate reasons, especially for performance. Um, I couldn't explain it to you because it's sort of deep in the voxel tech and I, to be honest, don't quite fully understand it, but uh, there is a reason. Um, I did investigate, however, and it depends on the priority of sort of what you what the actual problem is. Um, if the priority is symmetry, uh, it would actually be very easy to remove another voxel on the other side. So for example, if you take your excess core unit, um, and you go and you extend either side on the same axis from the core, you would today you have 31 on one direction and 30 on the other direction, right? What we could do is have it 30 on each. Um, what we can't do easily is have it 31 on each side. That's the hard part. Um, but what we could do is, you know, restrict the, all, the, all the core size, you know, down one voxel and have it be symmetry. So uh, depending on what the actual problem is with this issue, if the main problem is the symmetry aspect, this is something that we can actually fix by just removing one voxel, uh, you know, column on every side and, and that would fix it. But extending it, unfortunately, unfortunately, is something that's a lot harder and maybe, maybe impossible depending on how far we can push the performance uh, for this particular issue. Okay, next question. It's a combo question. Uh, the place voxel tool should place clean shapes. Uh, currently, it doesn't do uh, what is often expected to. And uh, second question in one, when copying and pasting voxels, they don't seem to save the shapes consistently. And most of the time, what is pasted isn't the same as what was copied. It usually, it's usually faster to just do the job twice than to try to fix what gets distorted with a copy-paste operation. Is there anything uh, planned to tackle this issue, Entropy? Um, yeah, so voxel issues are known to us, obviously, but we, we don't necessarily know every single one. I'm going to use this moment sort of as a, as a call out. Um, if you're running into the same voxel issue over and over again, and you have very specific repro steps, it would actually be great if you guys communicated that to us. Um, voxel issues in terms of the clipping and the melting and all these sorts of like little issues that happen when you copy paste, these are notoriously hard to track and reproduce. Um, we're always on the hunt to sort of fix voxel issues and we, you know, fix voxel issues all the time, uh, but it is a complex system and one of the hardest parts is to reproduce them. So if you have really good repro rates for very specific issues, then once we have the repro rate, those issues are actually usually quite easy to fix. The hardest part for us is usually to find the issues and be able to repro them on our side. And a lot of the time when we see screenshots and we see videos of players, we're like, okay, well, we, we see that there's an issue and you know, of course, and then we go back and we try to reproduce it and it's like, okay, well now it's not happening. So we were always like, okay, what did this player do? How did he end up in this situation? Like what combination of tools and copy paste and blah, blah, blah did he use to get to this moment? And if we had that information, I think it would actually be a lot faster for us to fix those issues. So we're, we're, Always trying to fix them, and if you have good repro rates, please tell us. 
Yeah, and they never hesitate to, uh, uh, during or after uh, an alpha test session, to send to support at novacore.com your your bug reports and uh, that kind of uh, of issues we just described. Uh, it's uh, we we investigate and uh, as JC said during the the part one of this podcast, we uh, it doesn't uh, it's not for, forgotten. You know, we we have uh, an organization. We we create tickets internally to work on these issues and hopefully to fix them. Uh, some are easier than others, but we it's it's never uh, you know. Um, uh, falling into uh, limbo and we, we investigate and definitely work on that. Um, next question. Um, and I know it's kind of a, one of the dreams of our uh, lead game designer um, at NovaQuark. Will we have some form of road building tools, Entropy? Um, so unfortunately right now there's there's no real plan for having uh, you know road building tools. Um, what we have right now is the flattened tool. Uh, but if I'm being honest, I am interested in knowing what um, what functionality you guys would be looking for. Because when I read road building tool, uh, there's a lot of things that come to mind, and I'm not 100% sure exactly what it is that you guys mean. Uh, is it just like the flattened tool, but on a larger scale? Does it imply a construct? What exactly does that mean? So um, right now, there's no, there's no plans for some sort of road building tool. Uh, but depending on what the functionalities that you guys are looking for, maybe we can actually you know, do something uh, that's quite cheap and, 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 and cool for you guys if we, if we know what you guys want. I think there's, um, you know, a, a particular version of this tool that could be, you know, flattening on a larger scale maybe and also deploying some uh, particular materials instead of the, the ground. That would be cool. Mostly aesthetics, I would say, because you can fly very well already on anything flattened. Um, but it would, I mean, I understand it would be cool to see the road. That would be really cool. Um, yeah, I think I think something that we probably could do, uh, which wouldn't be super hard. I, I would have to double check. I, I don't want to make any promises, uh, but it's have to have some sort of flatten tool, which would also replace the texture yeah. of yeah, the ground. Exactly. So if if you so for example, mm -hmm. if you selected, uh, you know, some sort of stone uh, ground that you had digged up from somewhere else, and you had a whole bunch of stone, you could probably flatten and then also replace that, you know, top level of whatever, maybe yep. it's dirt or grass with stone. That's probably something that we could look into, and it wouldn't be too crazy. Okay, next question is about mining. Uh, is there any easy way to finish off the last liter of an already mined node in the making, like highlighting the last bit uh, or any other idea that fits? Um, are you going to make the ore scanner sensitivity adjustable? The last bits of ore are hard to find and sometimes it would be preferred if the scanner could ignore them. Entropy. Um, yeah, so uh, unfortunately, I don't have a great answer for this. This has sort of been this particular issue has been uh, a little bit of a crusade of mine uh, <laughs> ever since we sort of did the first version of uh, of mining, which was I was involved in. Um, there is no easy way to clean up that last little bit of voxel material that you just can't find. I mean, I've I've mined a lot, and I know exactly what it is you're talking about. And you're just frustratingly looking around with your scanner, your detector, trying to find that last little node. Um, and it can sometimes takes a few minutes and I, I understand the frustration. I've experienced it. Um, this is, you know, I've, I've actually spent some time with the voxel guys and we've done some development to try to fix this issue. And every time we've sort of fallen short, it's sort of one of those, you know, long-term issues that I've been trying to fix for a long time. Uh, I'm going to keep working at it, keep looking into it. But right now there's no, there's no Jesus solution for this one. So Hopefully at some point we'll have some sort of refactor where we can find a solution, but right now there's nothing. 
Okay, next one is about water. Uh, are you going to fix the underwater lighting issues? Um, when will, he, will we see water areas instead of an overall water layer? Uh, so when we mine inland, we will not uh, encounter water unless we mine into a water pool. And will water then be able to be manipulated and move uh, just as if you broke a dam or wanted to dry out an area? JC. Yeah, this is this is actually uh, an old question, and it's coming uh, regularly. Um, water is actually a very tricky uh, subject, and um, so mostly because of the scale of what we're doing, because everything is editable. Uh, there's Minecraft that does it pretty well, but on a relatively small scale. It's just the, the water around you, and it's uh, it's actually a cellular automaton that is propagating the the water. It's uh, it's nicely done. It doesn't really translate to a world of the size of the universe. So you could have a, imagine a giant uh, pool of water uh, suspended in the air and, and you, you just break or destroy the, the thing underneath and then suddenly all this mass of water is falling. You can see that it could be potentially unbounded in terms of computation to do that. Um, it's very hard to actually do it uh, with, with a multi-scale approach where you could, you could just, uh, you know, so do, sort of doing a high level of detail uh, simulation of the flow and then then go into details this this is extremely complicated uh definitely in the in the realm of r and d definitely something we will probably try to address at some point but right now we just decided not to spend time on that so um uh, the the water we have today is clearly a placeholder. It's just a sphere of water, so it makes the ocean appear. That's about it. Maybe we could actually dig that sphere, you know, have the water go deeper on the, the parts that are considered um, land so that you don't encounter water when you dig, uh, or at least it would happen way, way, way uh, deeper. Uh, these are perhaps things we could uh, look into, um, but but definitely, you know, the, the full-fledged water voxels that would be transparent and that you can actually mine. So uh, with, of course, your, whatever you mine is going to be refilled automatically because water is flowing. These are complicated issues. And we just want to you know, focus the, 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 the team that is actually capable of doing that to other things that are more you know, uh, uh, problematic, that are more important to do in the short term. Uh, but it's, I just want to say it's a big uh, topic. So uh, unfortunately, don't expect miracles going on on the water side um, until probably post-release, that's for sure. So, but yeah, that would be cool. And it's, <laughs> it's something a little bit disappointing in the game at the moment. Um, but yeah, we are going also to try to work on, on the waves, you know, so that they, they go in the right direction and a little bit more immersive, um, you know, uh, rendering of the, the shore. Um, but yeah, that's probably as far as it will go uh, for the moment. Yeah, we, we have many, many uh, stuff to, to work on, definitely. Um, so next question, um, when will you implement a salvaging feature and what will it do? Entropy. Um, yeah, so actually, this is something that we haven't spoken about a lot, but a first version of what we're calling salvaging will actually going to be coming in Alpha 3. Um, for us, salvaging is going to be an extension of ownership. Um, with ownership and the fact that you know you can trade constructs and all that stuff, uh, there is going to be a way that you can actually lose ownership of a construct, and a construct can be without owner. Uh, 
Uh, so for example, this could happen if you abandon it, or it could happen if in a, in a PVP fight, for example, a, a construct could become uh, without owner. And then what can happen is that those constructs still exist in the you know in the 3D world, uh, but any player that finds them can just go up to them, and since they have no owner, there's no rights and there's no restrictions, and so players who find these abandoned constructs can just go ahead and salvage them. So you can start you know opening the containers, pulling off the voxels, or taking everything and and, and going home. So. Um, this is something that we'd like to expand on further, but for us, this is sort of a first step for salvaging is having uh, these abandoned constructs that sort of litter the world through game mechanics, and then players can just go around and fight these constructs and loot them and, and scrap them and do whatever they want. And you, you'll be able to see them in the in the radar that, that they are actually uh, not owned, so it's uh, a way to identify those potential uh, salvageable constructs. And then, of course, the... The um, the final gameplay we, we could have is that you have a full fledged you know uh, gameplay to locate those things even if they are not in your radar and lots of things that could be very interesting uh, to add in a in, in a later stage. Okay, so let's talk about piloting a little bit now. Uh, is the 29,999 speed cap because of server limitations uh, or? Was it chosen for uh, balanced reasons first? Um, so it's a little bit of both, really. Uh, from the gameplay point of view, the max speed is a parameter that we control to define a whole bunch of interactions in the game. Uh, so you know, after we sort of put down the planets and we sort of calculated how long it took from to go from various planets to go from various points to various points, uh, you guys may remember we started at twenty thousand and then we pumped it up to thirty thousand because we thought it was a little bit slow. Uh, so this is something that we control. We think that 30,000 30, for now is, is okay, uh, but this is something that we can adjust in the future if, if, if we need to. Um, from a more technical standpoint, uh, we do have to be careful with how high we go with the speed. Um, if you've played today and you've gone at very high speeds uh, with other players next to you, specifically with other constructs next to you, and multiple constructs next to each other, you can tell that sometimes it gets a little bit weird, and that's pretty much directly linked to the speed because we are going at very, very high speeds. There are not a lot of games that actually allow you to go that fast, uh, you know, for real in the game world. Um, so we do have to be very careful, careful about how high we make the speed go because if we make it go too high, we're going to expose a lot of these issues that happen at high speeds, and we need to be careful there. Uh, next question, we are going to talk about industry. Um, when uh, will you allow industry on dynamic cores? A lot of players really want this feature because it is important to the nomadic lifestyle. Uh, it was advertised as a possible playstyle early in the game's development. Entropy. Um, yeah, so I, I want to be really careful about how I, I answer this question. I know this is a, this is kind of a big topic. Um, I think there's there's two ways that I can approach this this way. So I'll start with the first one. The first one is that we need to be careful with exactly, this sort of go, actually goes back a little bit to uh, my, my earlier question on the differences between the core units. Um, this is one of those restrictions that we put in because we were a little bit afraid of the consequences. Um, as we sort of go into alpha three, into beta, and then into release, uh, as we start putting in a lot of these big systems that for now we don't have that much information about, so when we're talking about combat, when we're talking about territory warfare, when we're talking about all these sorts of things that we don't have very much information about, we just have to be careful with like these really big, powerful things that we put into the game. Dynamic, uh, sorry, industry on dynamic constructs is a really, really powerful thing. Uh, it, you know, it's no joke. We, we are very afraid of... Um, 
of sort of having these like mega factories that can sit on these anti-gravity devices that can move around from uh, planet to planet, uh, from territory to territory, just suck up all the resources without, you know, be able to stay in the safe spaces when they need to and then move out when they need to. To me, that is something that is extremely powerful and maybe it's okay and maybe eventually it can be in the game, but it's something that we want to be careful with and we want to take our time and we want to make sure that we know what we're doing. Because once we put it in, it's probably going to be quite difficult to take out. Or it's going to be something that we have to do you know, during a big wipe where we actually wipe everything, which may happen one day. Um, so we're, we're a little, honestly, we're a little bit afraid. We just need to be careful. That doesn't mean that it's never going to happen. But we don't want... That's the sort of stuff that can sort of destroy the ecosystem of the game. And we just need to take it a step at a time. So for now, they're going to stay on static only. And then in the future, once the full scale of the game starts being flushed out and we start having everything put together, um, then we can sort of relook at that and say, okay, so now that we have all these things, how does this look now? And then we can reassess. Yeah, and it, it's also linked to the PvP system that will be implement, implemented later. Uh, it raises a lot of uh, potential questions, so we definitely have to be very careful about it. And, um, and I might also add that yeah. it, it's... it's it's maybe not a good, you know, reason in the absolute, uh, I mean, in terms of game design, but it, it also gives uh, reasons for you to settle on planets. And it's an open game. People will do whatever they want, but um, we still, you know, hope, for example, that <laughs> the game is not entirely happening in space, for example, and that no one is actually living on any planets except, you know, for a short time to, to get some resources. Um, I mean, that could happen, right? It's a, uh, Again, I mean, players are doing what they want, and uh, but but in the you know in the fantasy that we imagine, we we hope the planets will be full of large cities that will be industrial complex and so on that they will have uh, an important part in the in the game, and so it's it's always this idea that yeah maybe it's a good idea that some game player are in fact tied to uh, the planets. Um, it's not a fantastic way of doing it. I mean, the best way would be that. You know, it's in your interest to actually do this on the planet, and so that yeah. is why you know people are doing that. This is the best way to uh, nudge you know the, the the evolution of the gameplay towards a particular direction. Um, but as you just said, I mean, it's it's difficult to predict exactly how things are going to evolve. That's actually what is quite interesting in this game. Yeah. So we have yeah. to be careful, and as I always say, you know, it's it's always uh, possible to add some salt to the soup. But uh, yeah, once it's in there, you cannot really take it out. So uh, we're going to add some salt progressively. Uh, see if yeah, now. we'll test as good. well. We'll test, we'll see players' feedback if we kind of find maybe a kind of middle ground that is interesting and, mm -hmm. and brings uh, extra interest to the gameplay and, and to the uh, systemic gameplay because uh, we, we said it many times, but the, the game is very subtle and you, you will have many, many subsystems interacting with each other and that's the part of the interest of the game. Um, so we'll have to be careful. We will, uh, of course, rely in, on, upon player players' feedback about that. Um, moving on to a, an interesting uh, question. Uh, it's for you, Chase. It's about power energy system. Um, when uh, the power systems uh, will be implemented? Uh, I think tomorrow morning or something. I don't remember. Wow, uh, that's fast. No, that's careful, fast. Careful. <laughs> uh, I just want how many developers the died in the process. Out. You know, <laughs> uh, no, I mean um, this. This is something uh, that is very important because currently there are some uh, 
free lunch in the game, like the anti-gravity, for example. Um, so uh, this this is not the way it's it's meant to be. Uh, there should be uh, some kind of management of energy, of electricity, and ways to produce it, and so on. This is what we call the energy gameplay. Uh, so when is this going to happen? Uh, definitely not uh, by the beta, because this we, we, we don't want to release any major features. As I said uh, already, we want to focus on polishing, bug fixing, and so on. Um, it should be done by the release because it's you know an important part of the of the game uh, equilibrium. But we will also make it more like uh, it's not like probably it's not going to be like uh, everything stops working if you don't power it, but it's going to work better if you do. So that will be a way to smooth the transition from the current you know situation where you don't need any power uh, to a game where it will make sense to uh, have a source of power. Uh, it will be a good way to boost your assistance, boost your industry, boost whatever. Um, but um, not in a, in a way that is uh, absolutely uh, uh, that you really have to do. So because otherwise we would break the whole game uh, suddenly, uh, nothing would fly, nothing would work anymore. Uh, we don't. We certainly also don't want to have some tedious uh, energy management where you have to plug every single light, every single button, every single door. So you end up you know, wiring tons of things. Um, that would not be really fun. It's just a core, basically. So um, just this is just to give you a taste of how it could look like. Definitely, you need some way to power things like anti-gravity uh, engines. This, this um, it's, it doesn't make sense. In fact, that it's so free. Um, so well, voilà. I don't know exactly when uh, this is going to be. Uh, when we're going to have the bandwidth to actually develop this. It's not very complicated to develop but there's a lot of assets there's a lot of game mechanics lots of things to test and so on and so on so it's it's just a big feature um and we we don't want to do that um until all the rest is is polished basically yeah um moving on to uh important questions about pvp uh, and more specifically territory protection First question about PvP and territory protection. Will Sanctuary Moons come back for Alpha 3 and PvP or any idea on the initial size of the season on Elioth? Um, is there a chance uh, you will be expanding the Elioth safe zone or will it stay the original 20 kilometer radius around the Orc ship? Uh, when do we get to claim territory and have protection for it? Uh, we're talking about TCU there. Uh, will territory control units be released at the same time as PvP? And if not, how will our constructs be defended during Alpha 3 entropy? Okay, so there's a, there's a lot of questions here. So I'm yeah, going to yeah, take them one at a time. <laughs> big pack uh, of questions. Try to make sure that I don't miss any here. <laughs> um, so first of all, Sanctuary Moons are still on the menu. Uh, Sanctuary Moons are still part of the overall you know design of the game. However, they will not be coming back for Alpha 3. Um, the reason why they're not in Alpha 3 and the reason why we didn't put uh, much time into them for Alpha 3 is because for the CVC release uh, of Alpha 3, we decided to go with the arena uh, that we explained in the other podcast. So Yeah, it's, it's the first version right. of PvP. Yeah. Very briefly, I explained it for those of you that missed it, but essentially in the first version of CVC for Alpha 3, uh, PvP will be contained to an area of space outside of normal planets. So it'll be sort of this large area of space where you can fight and nowhere else. So we didn't need for Alpha 3 to spend a lot of time and resources on dealing with all of these safe zone 
questions essentially we we chose to focus on the actual mechanics of cvc and and you know the, the the game feel and the gameplay and all that stuff and then sort of delay all of the territory you know control and safeguard uh questions to a little bit later with territory territory control and when we release that um the initial save zone of Aliot. um so this is all in discussion and we're not exactly sure exactly what we're going to do uh, one of the goals that we have now is that the, the save zone of Aliot is actually going to be quite big. Uh, the 20-kilometer radius around the arc ship is what we're calling the Pioneer Zone, and that is, you know, for all intents and purposes, sort of a noob zone. So it's going to be the area in which new players spawn, and they're going to be running around, and it's going to be fairly limited in sort of what you can do. Uh, and then the plan is for that there's going to be an extended zone outside of that pioneer zone, so as an extension of that zone, still in a radius around the arc ship, but much, much larger. I'm not going to commit to any distances, but, you know, maybe hundreds of kilometers, uh, where you have this safe zone, where PvP will be illegal, where you your constructs will be safe, where nothing bad can happen to you. The sanctuary uh, for now, zone, in fact. Yeah, the sanctuary zone, exactly. And then as part of that, after we we sort of do this, we will still be able to add Sanctuary Moons and have that whole Sanctuary Moon gameplay uh, when we add those. Um, where was I? So, well, blah, blah, blah. so the, the protection questions we are delaying for now, but uh, just for information, the territory control units will be coming back for Alpha 3, so you'll be able to, to use those uh, in, in, in the Alpha 3 to take territory. But for now, they're not going to have any interaction with the you know, combat and CVC systems because we're sort of separating them until we can sort of finish that and, and release that properly. Yeah, I, I just want to stress again that the role of the sanctuary zones and sanctuary moons <clears throat> is to provide a safe haven for players so that they can have at least one tile, probably just one tile, in fact, uh, or maybe two, depending on a, a few exceptions, but a limited number of tiles um, where they are absolutely safe where they can leave their stuff and they can go on vacation, they can, they can quit the game for several months and, and come back, uh, and it's going to be there untouched uh, and, and safe. Uh, this is absolutely necessary, otherwise you create a level of stress <laughs> that is, that is um, unbearable. I mean, it's just uh, uh, not possible to just uh, go away from the game more than, than a few days. So we need to have a safe haven. And I, I think every player, we, <clears throat> every player will have uh, at least a tile where where they can you know, put their stuff and, and be safe. Um, and of course, those those areas will be without valuable things or very limited, and there will be you know not a place where you you can actually um, um, you know start uh, interesting mining operations or things like that. Of course. Yeah, uh, more. Um about territory protection, more specific question, uh, will you have a way for players to move other players' constructs if they are inside their building zone? For example, someone parks on my construct and I don't want them to. Entropy. Yeah, so this is um, this is actually a much bigger question than, than, than what it seems. Um, I think in the end, we will need a range of, of options to be able to deal with these sorts of issues. Um, they are going to arise in many different situations and many different sorts of, you know, in PvP, outside of PvP, and sort of more like grief side things and sometimes legitimate. And we're going to need a range of, of options and, and protections and, and things that players can do to sort of protect themselves from this sort of behavior. Um, one of the things that we're exploring initially is just being able to use the move tool on other constructs situationally. 
Uh, so for example, this, some, this is something that you could do maybe if you were on your territory. So if you owned a territory and then there was some random construct on it that you wanted to get rid of, you could just use the move tool and get it the hell out of there. Um, but realistically, this is a much bigger topic. We're gonna have to take a look at parenting uh, in general to be able to sort of fill the loop and do this properly. And uh, this is something that's important, something, something that we probably have to do before beta. Okay. Um, still PVP related, but more specifically, specifically, sorry, about server tech and lag. And it's, it's a, a big question, so bear with us. Um, a player asks, I have multiple characters and multiple computers all on the same local network. I run multiple characters at once. One computer is my uh, top monitor and one is uh, on my bottom monitor. And some of what I've been seeing and experiencing is making the release of PvP look uh, looks like complete nightmare and train wreck. And I'm worried that lots of people that enough have not played, sorry, the game will see here that PvP is implemented for F3 by the game and freak out on Nova Quark for the state of the game and how bad the PvP uh, isn't. Uh, is working because of these underlying server issues that have been around for a long, long time. Still continuing on the question, um, what is uh, often possible to see is uh, you, you play with character one, you pick, for example, a container, you move it uh, as far uh, as it is possible uh, with a full range skill and, and um, it, it takes several uh, seconds to, to be visible on, on another uh, monitor. So uh, character number two finally starts to see the, the container moving. You 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 have a visible lag. Uh, so the, the core of the question is uh, how is uh, PvP going to work uh, with things not being where they are and trying to aim uh, when you try to aim them and to hit them. So uh, the, the the question is about desynchronization. Uh, why, why is it happening? Uh, it's kind of related, I think, to the first question we actually answered to, but it was very uh, important to, to stress that out. Uh, it's very visible for many players. So Entropy, what, what do you have to say about that? Um, yeah, so I think I'm just going to have to reiterate at least a part of JC's answer from earlier, which is that uh, these sorts of issues, we're aware of them. You know, these are sort of the underlying server and, and tech issues that we have. Um, as we go into these polishing phase, we have to take the time to make all those issues better. Um, the 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 desync problems, the the you know the little lag problems, the the facts that two players don't see the same thing at exactly the same time. We have to work on that, and we have to make sure that the game is as synced as possible, and that everything is you know works as best as possibly can. Um, there's no you know solution, one word solution for this. Is just small issues that we have to fix on the server, small problems that we have to, you know, coordinate coordinate correctly and try to get fixed. Uh, um, I might just add a thing about this is that, um, go ahead. you know, uh, the, the, the way, you know, the, the, the whole design of the game is made is that we don't rely on uh, absolutely, you know, super accurate, uh, synchronous uh, um, uh, render of the, the movements of the character or the movement of the, of the, the elements and so on. Uh, this is something you have to give up when you try to make a single shard game. If you want to have that kind of performance, you need a dedicated server, uh, you need an instance, you need a very number, a small number of players in the same instance and so on. Um, unless maybe someone can figure out a way to do it better than we do. But I mean, uh, there's some kind of uh, uh, fundamental uh, sort, of, sort of limits that are bound to the fact that you have to deal with so many things at the same time. So bottom line is... Um, that's why we actually have uh, a system in PvP which is lock and fire. You lock on yeah. something, this is a formal step. You might actually be pointing towards the, the thing and point to it wherever it is in your particular point of view, 
It might not be where it really is, but that's enough for you to point at it and trigger the locking system, which is going to formally say, yeah, now it's locked. And then you fire on it, and then it's going to formally fire on it. And no matter where it is, uh, it doesn't really matter because you're not aim at it. It's just like in a FPS, uh, you know, your typical Counter-Strike uh, experience. So um, we just don't deal with that problem because the way the game is designed doesn't actually uh, have to deal with that problem. So it might be a little bit um, uh, annoying if you have actually the setup you, the, the this player mentioned that you, you see this little lag, but uh, we don't want to cover explicitly this particular use case, in fact, uh, that, that uh, you need to have accurate, uh, perfect rendering uh, for anyone connected. This, this is too hard to solve. Uh, again, maybe someone could solve it, but I mean, it's not something we need to uh, if we have the kind of gameplay uh, mechanics we, we have uh, in mind. So... You know, you, you get something on one side, the single shard, uh, uh, fully editable world. And there are things that you, you have to abandon on the other side, that is the realistic, synchronous, uh, you know, real-time uh, uh, simulation. Um, yeah, I think, I think just to, to complete that a little bit, uh, yeah. JC's absolutely right in saying that that's the main and fundamental reason or one of the reasons why we have lock and fire in PvP. It is so that we don't have to deal with you know, sniping essentially and, you know, having incorrect player positions between the client and the server and all that, all those problems. Um, however, I, I will just say that I think from a, just from a social perspective and from when people are moving around in the world and stuff like that, I, I think we have to find a little bit of a middle ground where the world is relatively synced and people see themselves more or less where they are. If there's a yeah, little of bit of a problem, et cetera, that's okay. And as long as it doesn't interfere with the gameplay, then it's okay. Mm. But we just need to be careful and, and watch out for the big desyncs and the big problems yeah. that we have and, and fix those issues. But if you have a guy in Austri Austri Australia, not Australia, well, maybe Australia, yeah, yeah. in Australia, <laughs> another guy um, somewhere in Alaska, I think this is far enough. You get the speed of light limit. The speed of light is very high. Uh, it's uh, 300,000 kilometers per second. And if you do the math, you will see that the signal between those two positions on the Earth uh, takes, uh, I think, around 100 milliseconds or something to travel, uh, roughly. I, I don't remember. But, I mean, it's um, it's it's long, <laughs> and it's an incompressible lag. There's no way we can, uh, you know, go around the limits of, the, of physics. So um, if you want to have a game that allows those two people to, to play together, which is the point of a single shard uh, server... Um, your game should be working even with that kind of light because it will happen. Uh, but I agree with you. Um, you know, uh, we, we are going to try to reduce that lag to the physical limit, basically. So um, if you happen to be playing with people nearby, uh, it's going to be it's going to be good. Uh, but but yeah, you could always be playing with that guy on the other side of the planet. And well, so there's no no way we can, we can solve that. Maybe we could use, you know, some tiny wormholes and, and try to bypass the speed of light. But this is definitely in the R&D department and not for release. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, moving on uh, to the next question. If a player decides to build a space station out in the middle of nowhere, would it be possible to track them down and find them? Or would they need to be found by chance? What elements or mechanics are Novacork looking to implement to help with scanning the vast space to look for targets, deep space stations, and hiding dynamic constructs? Entropy. Yeah, so this is a good uh, a good lead from the from the last question, actually. Um, hmm. 
one of the main mechanics that we added for construct versus construct combat was the radars. Uh, so you already had sort of the old radars that we had uh, previously in the game, and these are sort of like the the new and improved ones are a little bit more shiny. They they see quite a lot farther. Um, before we were limited by what your client actually had loaded, and then for these new ones, we actually remove that restriction, and it's actually you can actually see very very far, potentially up to hundreds of kilometers. So this is the first thing that we that we've put into the game, which is going to allow you to see in space at a much longer distance than you could before. Um, I think the the goal right now, once this is in the game and once we we have a little bit more info, is to sort of uh, try to find a balance between uh, being hidden and being hard to find. We we don't want it to be too easy to to hide and and have you know maybe a huge base that no one can ever find. Uh, but we also don't want to be want it to be like super trivial that you know the second you put down a base, everyone in the world knows about it. So. Uh, we're going to have the radars, and those allow you to do quite a lot more than than what you could do previously. Um, and then we can sort of scale that up or down depending on the information that we get and depending on our our intentions in that area. It's actually cool to imagine. I mean, we're talking about you know uh, gameplay mechanics within the game, but there are also things that can happen outside of the game. Like uh, if it's really hard to find a station. Uh, why don't you just try to spy and get the information? And that's uh, you know that's not in the game per se, but it is uh, a way of playing that game that I think is very interesting. It's, it's this particular where are the headquarters of this organization? No one really knows, but there's a, there there are people who know. So you should be able to acquire this information uh, by other means, and you know you can see that this is becoming very valuable. And I, I can, I mean, this is this is probably uh, an interesting, uh, you know, side effect of of the fact that it's uh, you cannot just press a button and get the list of everything, uh, but make it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, we, we are more talking about kind of meta game here. Yes. Um, next question about traveling, more specifically about fast travel. Uh, can you elaborate more on the intentions of the warp beacons, specifically to enter an intra-system use, JC? Yes. Um, okay, so um, th there's a lot of debate on that. Um, but just the fundamentals here is that uh, if you don't have any way to fast travel at all, uh, it means that you have to travel between planets with the, the current speed limit. Um, and that means uh, several hours of travel between planets. Um then one day when we have other systems, uh, well, if, if you want to travel between systems, it would be several weeks or days, I don't know. So it doesn't make any sense. You probably need some way to jump to the other system. But within the a given system already, uh, moving between planets, if it takes several uh, hours, it will, I think, inevitably uh, partition the game world uh, basically around small populations living inside uh, the, the, the area around the given planets. And it will seriously limit the, you know, the exchanges, in particular the, the commercial exchanges between these, these different planets. And one thing that we want to do, and I mentioned it many, many, many times, is to reach critical mass uh, to, to unleash some ecosystemic effects within the population of gamers so that uh, they can they can uh, use the markets and trade and specialize and so on and so on. So this this is going in contradiction with that. You we don't want to have some bubbles, isolated bubbles, of players that that sometimes interact with each other uh, because there's there's a few people who actually agree to spend their uh, Saturday evening traveling 
from one planet to the other to move some uh, valuable things and so on. Um, so that's why we need some way to uh, have a fast travel. So the precise way by which it's going to be done is still in discussion. Um, the, the idea is that if you've been somewhere once, it should be possible that you accelerate the fact that you come back again, uh, hence the fast travel uh, you know, name. Um, all the things we have in mind, I mean, are not contradictory with the fact that uh, pirates could actually intercept you along this fast travel. Um, we could have, uh, you know, you could, you could create some uh, restriction zone where if you cross those zones, suppose you go super fast, right? There's, there's a sort of a warp drive. Then you could actually have uh, a restriction zone that you can build that will act like a spider, uh, you know, net and, and, and trap you inside. This is things that you see in other games. Uh, this mechanic is not new. It's, it's something that works pretty well. So, I mean, you could have that. About the, the worries that, you know, at the arriving point, uh, there could be pirates waiting for you. Uh, yes, of course. And, and if you own this arriving point, this, this uh, uh, end, end point of your warping, uh, probably a, a good practice would be to defend it so that it has a way to, uh, if there's a bunch of pirates that start to aggregate around it, uh, you have a way to actually fire on them and, and make them go away. So you have to defend, of course, your infrastructure um, unless it is in a, in a safe zone and we decide to extend that uh, for that purpose. So as I said, it's still in discussion, but I mean, we need to find a way and it should not prevent pirates uh, to actually do their job, which is basically to intercept, uh, uh, you know, uh, people doing logistics. So this, this, is, this is something that uh, will definitely happen in a way or another uh, so that we can actually you know, put all the players together really inside the same world. Okay, uh, next question. And we already touched the subject a little bit. How do you see docking work uh, in the future? When will mass and cross-section be added to a ship that has another object docked to it? Okay, so um, so the, the docking, as I said, uh, is, is something we, we're looking into. Um, and definitely then docking or parenting, the fact that you touch another construct and you sit on it, Docking is just a way to make it formal so that it, it's uh, you know, automatic and you don't have to maneuver to, to, to do this. Um, but it's the same thing. And uh, definitely uh, we, we have to uh, take into account then the mass and the cross-section updates. And I think this, this is uh, planned. It should not be delayed that much. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, otherwise it, it gives rises to all sorts of abuses. We are perfectly aware of that and it's not a, big deal to fix it so yes this is going to be uh, uh this is going to be polished basically soon okay the next uh question is uh for you too jc it's about lua can we expect lua protection meaning obfuscation in this uh, context before or after release is it currently not worthwhile to say um it is currently sorry not worthwhile to sell scripts or ships with scripts in fear of Piracy, uh, protection for Lua script IP. When will blueprint protection systems and Lua codes be implemented? Okay, so this this is a very interesting uh, question. Um, there are ways to uh, obfuscate code in Lua. Uh, there's tons of you know uh, libraries are, that are doing this. It's also unfortunately quite easy to deobfuscate this code. And at the end of the day, the code that is running, remember, it's running on your machine, in fact. So it's actually going to go in the memory towards the part of the program that is running it, uh, the, 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 the interpreter of Lua. So 
if you really want, you could perhaps find a way to intercept this memory. We're trying to prevent that, but uh, you know, you never one hundred percent sure. So at the end of the day, we can make it more difficult to actually access the the code, but it will never be totally safe or foolproof. Uh, but definitely something we want to look into. Um, we also would like to introduce the fact that um, the Lua code is only loaded when you actually run it, so that uh, if you don't have the right to run something, uh, you cannot just uh, you know try fail but still get the Lua code uh, through the through the network. These kind of things will actually help. Uh, but yeah, so this is something we're going to look into. I can't promise anything for release. Uh, it's um, it's in fact a relatively low priority, uh, but um, personally, I, I'm, I find it very interesting. And uh, but for the moment, you know, it's more like open source philosophy for your Lua code. So you, <laughs> when you when you actually release something, uh, people will be able to see it. And the the reasoning is that you know when you when you design the ship, um, there's a tight interplay between the code and the hardware, basically the, the particular way your ship is designed. So it, it's not necessarily a good thing to get the Lua code for piloting your ship if you don't have the ship. So at the end of the day, you still want to buy uh, the ship or a blueprint of the ship uh, to get the whole thing together. Uh, doesn't mean, of course, that you cannot reverse engineer everything and steal some, some design ideas. We are aware of that. So we're going to try to add more you know, uh, protection uh, like obfuscation uh, at some point. Yes. Okay. Well, guys, uh, it's the end. Time to wrap up. Um, thank you very much for your answers. Uh, it's been fun, and I hope the, the committee will uh, like uh, what we had to say. And uh, the following questions um, with the feedback we will get from this podcast and uh, and the, the ones already asked um, will be answered for most of them with a future AMA that will be posted later as promised we're working on it uh thank you very much and uh we'll see you next time yeah see thanks you later thanks thank you so much for listening your feedback about this fifth episode would be much appreciated depending on the platform you're listening to us you can use the rating system at your disposal please rate us five stars if you liked it give us a thumbs up or down leave a comment anything to help us improving this show you can share it with your friends too don't forget, you can reach out to us via Discord. It's discord.gg slash dualuniverse, our forums, and of course, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To be sure to not miss anything DU-related, we encourage you to like us on social media, of course, and to subscribe to our YouTube channel and newsletter. The links should be in the description of the show, depending on the platform you're using to listen to us. If you didn't back Dual Universe yet and you consider to do so now, thank you very much. We rely exclusively on crowdfunding and private money, and your support means everything to ship our crazy project. More about that at dualthegame.com slash pledge. Thanks again for your time, take care, and we'll see you next time.